It, it's been a long time. It's funny how, I don't know about you, but me, you take things for granted. It's been a long time since I've had to juggle a hymnal and sermon notes and everything and try to keep it all straight. I, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a remembrance of the way things once were. So... Uh, Anyway, it is, you sound good this morning. I, I do, you know, for all the, the chaos that sometimes happens and uh, in, in worship and in everything coming together and, and sometimes the craziness that, that I try to, to have fun with. I, you all know, um, you know, worship for me and I, I pray for us is, is a joyful thing. I, I want us to enjoy being together. And, and so I always remind myself, and I have to very often, that, that what we do, this isn't show, it's not performance, it's worship. And all the things we have, they're just pieces. But what matters is when two or three are gathered in His name. And that's what we do. And the rest of it's all gravy. It's, it's what we offer to God. It's, but it's gathering in His name and experience His presence. So I, I thank you for sometimes your... Um, patience, your uh, willingness to just put up with some of the, the, the craziness that happens here, uh, you do make coming to worship for me a joy. And I thank you for that. That is a gift that you give. Most of you make it a joy. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. All of you make it a joy. I'm teasing. What was, the, uh, what was the joke I heard somebody say recently in kind of a strange context? They said, um, my wife and I have uh, two wonderful children and another one. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so, anyway, don't know where that came from. We turn this morning, we continue this, this series titled Restore Us, O Lord, as we, we really kind of build on the, the themes of the Sundays of Advent, last week being hope, this week being peace. And so we turn to, again, the Psalms, which are not your normal Advent readings, but we turn to the Psalms as we seek to, to get a better understanding of what the peace of God in Christ means for us, what that looks like for us. And so I invite you to either follow along in Psalm 85 or to listen as read the first two verses and then move down to verse 8 through 13. Hear these words, this, this song that is written of worship and praise. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to His people, His faithful servants. But let them not turn to folly. Surely His salvation is near those who fear Him, that His glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before Him and prepares the way for His steps." Brothers and sisters, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, speak to us your words of restoration, your words of, of peace and of hope this day. 
And may we have ears to hear and hearts to receive. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. You may have heard the story before. I may even have told it before of the woman who's grocery shopping one afternoon. And as she's making her way around the store, she happens to, to be behind a, a young father with a, a kind of a fussy um, two-year-old. Those are kind of redundant terms, I think. Um, and um, as she's shopping, she could hear the father talking to his son. And, and she hears these words, just hang in there, Billy. You're doing okay, Billy. Not too much longer, Billy. Just, just be patient, Billy. And, and she would, you know, as, as sometimes when you shop, you tend to kind of bump into the same people row to row. She, she would bump into them frequently and hear these kind of affirmations over and over again. And finally, at the end, she's in the checkout line and she's behind this father and, and the son and she couldn't resist anymore and she just tapped him on the shoulder and she said, I, I just want to let you know um, I, I've heard you all afternoon, and I just, I just want to commend you on what a wonderful job you're doing with your, with your son, Billy. And he said, oh, ma'am. He said, my son's name is Patrick. I'm Billy. <laughs> um, Some of you were ahead of me on that story. I heard you, all right? Uh, how, how often, of course, yeah, some of us can really identify, but, but how often do we find ourselves, especially at this time of year, talking those kind of words to ourselves? I, I know I do. Just hang in there, Chris. Just be patient, Chris. Just a, a, a little bit more, Chris. And, and just trying to sometimes survive, you know, like a parent sometimes with a two-year-old. You know, you're just trying to, to survive. And, and I find the contrast between this time of year, Advent, and this time of year when we hear words like peace over and over again, it's a, it's a season when we celebrate peace and we, we elevate peace and hope and joy and love, yet it's a time that it seems to me in my very unscientific observation that we are more frazzled, more stressed out, more weary less full of peace than sometimes I think during any other time of the year. And, and I'm challenged by that contrast. I'm challenged by the, the, the opposition of, of those two realities. And so I was reflecting on that this week. And I came to a Conviction, my own thinking, my own study, my own preparation, my own devotions, that maybe that says more about me than it does anybody else. What I mean by that is maybe it reminds me that I'm looking for peace in the wrong places and using 
the wrong criteria. It's interesting as we read these beginning words of Psalm 85. It says, You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. That may not, and to, to any of us, probably an obvious allusion or, or um, an obvious reference, but the psalm is written at a time of celebration when the people of Israel have re- returned from their captivity, their exile in Babylon. For many years, the people have been carried. Remember the story of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and, and Abednego and, and the prophet Jeremiah before them. The, that all happened at a time of, of great turmoil and, and horrible things that happened in the life of the Israelites. And they're taken into captivity and eventually they are returned. They're able to go back to, the, to their homeland and they're able to get the thing that they had longed for and wished for and prayed for. They're able to have their homeland again. And this is what they had wanted for so, so long. And what is fascinating, and not just through the psalm, but through the, through the understanding and the understanding of the history and, and the experience of the people of Israel, is it wouldn't be too long before they would realize that the joy and the excitement and the satisfaction and the peace, if you will, that they received in the restoration of their land would no longer be enough. Not that it wasn't great, but it no longer satisfied their deepest need. I want you to think about that in the context of your own life. How many times... Have you thought to yourself or dreamed about or wished for something that you thought, if I only had that, I'd never want anything ever again. If I only had that job, if I only had that relationship, if I only had that kind of a healthy relationship, or I had that car, or, or there was peace in in my family, whatever it is. And sometimes it can be very, very important things, meaningful things, valuable things, and sometimes it can be more superficial things, materialistic things. But but here's what I would bet if you were like me and you've had those moments where you thought, man, if I just had this, man, I'd be satisfied. And you got that thing. I will bet times to dollars that it did not permanently satisfy you. I will bet that eventually that new car wasn't such a treasure anymore or that new relationship wasn't all you know, fireworks and, and flowers. That, that the, the, the need that you thought it would satisfy would bubble up again and that the, 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 the satisfaction would be shorter lived than you might have imagined. I, I can remember in a completely superficial way, but, but it was a way that, that for whatever we reason was a very profound moment for me, was about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, kids were still relatively, well, they were small. And um, Tony and I planned, we were able, because of um, my in-laws were able to take the kids for for a week, and Tony and I were able to plan a vacation, got away. And we actually took a cruise. Um, 
And I can remember, we'd anticipated we'd look forward to this for so long, you know, just to get away for a week and to be together and not have any worries. I remember being on the top deck of the ship as we're leaving port. And I'm leaning over the, the rail, and Tony's to my left. I can see the scene so clearly. And I can remember being filled with just this overwhelming sense of kind of sadness. And this is why. Because I said, wow, in a week this is going to be over. <laughs> I, you laugh. I'm not even saying it jokingly. I mean, that's what I felt. I thought, we have waited. We've anticipated. We've an looked forward to this for so long, and it's here. And I was already thinking about the fact that in a week it was going to be over, and I had this to do, and I had that to do, and I had all these things I knew I was going to be returning to. And, and that was a profound moment for me because it was kind of a, a need to be in the moment. I mean, there was a lot of things I learned and reflected upon that, and the need to. And I had a great time. It didn't. I didn't. wasn't clouded by sadness for a week. But I, but I remember thinking, why am I thinking about what's yet to come? Why don't I just enjoy what I have for the moment? But the reality is, all those things that we seek are somewhat fleeting. They're they're not going to meet the the deepest need. And so he, here's what I'm getting at: is I wonder sometimes when we talk about peace. We, we have an incomplete understanding of it. You know, when I look and I see people that are so busy in and, and, and my own life and so much going on, and I think, gosh, there's an absence of peace, maybe what I'm really betraying is that I don't fully understand what peace looks like. There's a, an artist I was reading about by the name of Frank or Frank uh, Mercedes, and uh, a few years ago he started doing this. He would take boxes like this, this shipping box, this Amazon box, and he would paint them with abstract um, kind of artwork, make them look really, really pretty. I, I didn't have one painted, and I'm not an artist, so just use your imagination. Pretend there's pretty colors on the box. And he would put a, a shipping label on it to send to somebody, and on the label it would say, Fragile, contains peace. And he would mail it, and over the years, they've done thousands of these. And when the person would get the box, they would open it, and it would have in it exactly what this box has in it, except maybe for a sheet of paper that said peace or hope or love. And it's interesting, in the years since, they've started some churches and other organizations have started doing this. They call them peace packages. And the intention is to challenge people to think differently about how we and where we find peace and where we find love and where we find joy, especially around Christmas. And to challenge the thinking that maybe it's not found in a box or the places that we very often look. And I started thinking, is that not part of what peace really is for us. You see, I fall into a trap of thinking that peace is the absence of things. It's the absence of tension. It's the absence of conflict. It's the absence of, of anger or unrest or stress or tension or obligation, whatever that may be. I think of it as the absence of something. Maybe for us, 
what we need to understand is peace isn't what is absent, but what is present. Peace isn't the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of Christ. There is in all of our bodies, to some degree, a a clotting agent in our blood so that when we cut ourselves, when we bleed, that liquid blood that flows through our bodies that gives life takes on a little bit of a thicker um, quality so that we don't bleed to death. When air hits it, it changes. It transfigures a little bit, if you will. In, in a very real way, what God does in Jesus Christ is He adds something to us. He breathes something into us that changes us, that changes our very character. And what He breathes into us is presence. And a present, God with us, Emmanuel, that brings peace. But brings peace in a way that we maybe haven't understood it previously. I I, I don't deny that there is a day, and, and the Scriptures paint a very clear picture, when the peace of God is fully restored. And it is the absence of conflict and the absence of hatred and the absence of all those things that tend to plague us when the lion lays down with the lamb. But what I know is that that's yet to come. In our lives, I don't know anybody that experiences that on a permanent basis. I don't know anybody that's ever said, I don't have any of that in my life. And if you have the key to that, please tell me because I want to know. So, so is it possible that the peace of Christ is a little bit different? And so we turn back to the Psalms. And I turn back to this, this reality that the people had received their land. They'd come back to their homeland. They thought it was all they ever needed. And yet their prayer reveals that they understood there was a deeper longing and a deeper need in their lives. And so you turn to verse 8 in the Psalms, which I read, and it says, I will listen to what the Lord says. All of these blessings have happened, but what I need to do is I need to listen. I need to be in relationship. It's a deeper thing than just hearing. It's a responsive, connected, relational listening. I will listen to what the Lord says in obedience. His promise, He promises peace to His people. Here's the promise. He's going to give us peace. But notice what it says. If we don't turn to folly, if we live in obedience, if we live in the relationship, And then in verse 10, it says, Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs from the earth. Righteousness looks down from heaven. Love, righteousness, faithfulness, peace. You know who that describes? That's the character of Jesus. Love and righteousness and faithfulness and peace. What does Jesus say? My peace I give to you my peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is our peace. And it is a peace that speaks into our chaos. It is a peace that speaks into the realities of our lives and does not necessarily mean that it is about the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of the Spirit of God that says to you and says to me, I am with you in it. 
Not that it will always be removed, not that you're never going to experience it, but that I promise to be with you in it. So peace does not become an external reality. It becomes a presence of God that is an internal experience. I mean, think about the people in your life that you have known, because I'm going to bet you've known somebody. You've known somebody in your life that seemed to have a peace and a confidence and a trust about them even when things were crazy all around them. We, we were commenting on a completely superficial kind of way that this last two nights in the, the living nativity, behind the scenes and, and before it begins, it is chaos around here. I mean, it's crazy. You just can't imagine everything that's going on. And Joe and Julie were, as I said, they're the ones trying to coordinate it all. And, and we were commenting, no matter how crazy it got, they seemed to stay kind of cool. They, they kind of kept their heads about them. They took care of the problems. They were just... I don't, I don't know if peace is quite the word I'd say, but they had that kind of quality about them. And, and that's a, a more of a superficial reality, but there are people about that that, that you know that have that kind of experience, <coughs> and experience that kind of peace. That's what Christ gives to us. I, I, wanna, I want you to think about the very story of his birth. The, the nativity story of Jesus. The one that we, and I've talked about this before, we paint in such tranquil and picturesque and beautiful scenes for our Christmas cards and our artwork. It is always beautiful. It's always peaceful. It's always picturesque. Here's the reality. That's not the reality Jesus walked into. I mean, think about the experience that we call the night of peace when the Prince of Peace came. Born of a young virgin mother and a father who's still trying, in Joseph, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. In a stable or a barn in a cave because there's nowhere else for him. They have unexpected guests, and their unexpected guests are not the most prized guests on the social structure. They're shepherds. Born under the rule of a Roman authority that was oppressing the people. Born under the rule of a Jewish king that in short time would do everything possible to exterminate the possibility that this Christ child would ever see adulthood in what we call the slaughter of the innocents. Forced with his parents to flee to a foreign land to save their lives. This is the reality that Jesus stepped into. And yet, we see it as a sign of peace and love. Why? Because all the circumstances were ideal? No. Because Christ was in the middle of the circumstance. The peace comes not from what is happening around the scenes. The peace comes from the presence of Christ in the middle of it. That's the presence we're given. That's the gift of Christmas. See, my mistake is I looked for peace in the external places. I, I want to see it on our faces. I want to see it in our experiences. I want to see it in everything being calm around us. That isn't always going to happen. Peace starts in here when we receive the one who is love and righteousness and faithfulness and joy, the Christ child. That's the invitation God gives to us to experience peace. But it's a peace that comes from presence, and that is the presence of Jesus Christ. I pray this is a season of peace for you. I pray it is a season of peace. 
I would love that to be because everything is perfect in your life. I hope that's the case. But I know that's not the case for a lot of us. But I know you can have peace all the same because Christ asked you to invite him in. Invite him in. Let the one who is peace be your peace. Let us pray. Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, we thank you for a gift. And that is a gift of peace that transcends our full ability to grasp and understand. It's the gift of the presence of Jesus our Lord. In this holy season, no matter how chaotic our lives may be, let us hold fast to the one who brings peace. The one who reminds us of your presence and your hope. May that be our peace this season, not only this season, but always. We pray in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.